Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Nina West, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. Our guest today is an international drag superstar and a proud theatre nerd. Walking, or should that say, sashaying into international fame on the hit competition reality show RuPaul's Drag Race, she stole all our hearts and even managed to snatch the title of Miss Congeniality. Since then, she's toured the world, made audiences laugh with her outrageous comedy and captured all our hearts as the Queen of Kindness. She's also helped raise millions with the Nina West Foundation supporting LGBTQ organisations and individuals. Now, with a solo magic drag show all of her very own, it's time to go west and find out what makes her such a living legend. Please welcome to Eleven, my queen, <laughs> Nina West. Hello, Barry. Hi. That's a really good intro. Wow. Do you like it? I love it. I feel unworthy. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're very, very well. You know, I love you. Thanks. Oh, I love you too. Thank you so much for being here. Well, um, thanks for having me. Before we discuss anything, um, oh. we have to talk about what you're wearing. So this is probably the first oh gosh, yeah. time I think I've ever wanted this to be less of a podcast and more of a television <laughs> show because you look phenomenal. I mean, this wig is literally pink and enormous. Yeah, it's gigantic and it weighs like... It doesn't really weigh anything, maybe the size of two newborn babies. <laughs> <laughs> Which like yeah. heavyish. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's, that's sixteen pounds. No, <laughs> um no, it's it's uh yeah, I love this hair. It's just fun and big and fanciful. And it feels like a very quintessential Nina look. Yeah, it's campy. Come on, it's camp. Yeah. You know, like that's why I love coming over here to the UK. I can actually like be myself fully and be embraced <laughs> for it. Uh, but then I'm wearing like a, I'm wearing like an ode to Sergeant Pepper, you know, this yep. is my Sergeant Pepper jacket and with a little of the uh the, the, uh, yeah, the flag on the, the flag, inside, the United and Kingdom then, flag, and then I have uh, a flag on my on my on my bottom as well. See, well, you can't see it on I'm your bum. Sitting. Oh, I'm sitting. Yeah, mm. what do you call it? Bottom. Your butt. Or your, my butt's butt. quite American, my I think. Actually, bum. bottom. Yeah, bottom. bottom. Your bum. My bottom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, bottom. you do a good um, English accent. I remember <laughs> this one last time you were here. Um, yeah, like, yeah. I, well, it's because I, I like to mimic people, so <laughs> I like to like listen intently to what they say, which has been really great about this tour is that I've been all over the UK and in Europe, so everyone, especially in the UK, has a different dialect. So when you go to uh, of course, when you go to Edinburgh and it's Scottish, yeah. and then you go to Ireland and you go to Dublin and it's Irish, and then you go to Liverpool and it's Liverpoolish. Yes, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, but like, it's how they speak in how they speak in Liverpool, and how they sound in Bristol, and how they sound in Brighton, and how they sound in Birmingham, and how they sound in Manchester, and how they sound even here in London. It's how you all. It's just so different. Yeah. So to an actor. It's lovely to be able to walk in and do even like a, have a kid just to sit there and study people and how they move their mouth and how they say their language. It's incredible. I'm probably going to have lots of people message be like, you're completely wrong by saying this. But I don't really think there is anywhere else in the world you can go where the accents within such a small place because you forget the United Kingdom actually isn't that big. It's not that big. Yeah. Like the accents are so different. I the mean, dialect so is different. vast. Yeah. yeah the, di- the, use, the, the turn in dialect is vast and you really sense it when you go from city to city. Yeah. And you, I really had to condu- we opened the tour in Cambridge yeah and I had and I had to really train my ear to listen because I was so used to Londoners you know I'd, I this is my third time in London so I was like I really I had my ear trained and then I was in Cambridge I was like okay so I gotta really focus and then I got I caught on 
as the tour went on. And then we all bets were off when I ended up in Edinburgh. And I was like, oh gosh, okay, focus. <laughs> was, I had to really focus and I had to watch, I had to watch people's mouths. Cause, but that, but again, as an actor, it's great to study that. And it's uh, so you would say, Nina, I've always felt like I say your name or like it's quite Nina, but it's not Nina, is it? It's Nina. It's quite clipped, or is it? Is it extended? I like how you say it. You like how I, <laughs> it feels. It just feels more romantic. Nina. Oh, it is quite romantic between us, though. I, I mean, was... I mean, I can't help that you're in love with me. <laughs> oh, I, wish that, I wish that wasn't true. Uh, <laughs> but I've you... got a wide, ga- a wide <laughs> gate right now at the moment. Look at my sitting posture. Okay, now I'm glad it isn't television. No. I feel like. We I know, through. I know. The, the, the whole illusion would be ruined. <laughs> so are you here? Obviously, you're here for work. But are you also yeah. here? Are you looking for a husband? Is a nice British boy on the cards? Would you I mean, like you're a... single, right? Yeah. I mean, well, hello. Recently single, yes. Well, okay, well, let's not have you dive into my water stress <laughs> yet, then. Let's let, let, let's let the rebound happen first. And then we can talk. Isn't the rebound the fun bit? And then you have to go back to that boring thing they do call Ew. a relationship. No? No. Uh, oh. No, the rebound is just to get those feelings out. Oh, okay. Yes. Like, get, yes, the, get the feelings out. You don't believe me. I mean, <laughs> whatever. Because really, after, I mean, like, when you have a rebound, you're having fun. But then when it's over, you're like, oh, God, that wasn't fun. I still yeah. miss. Yeah. I still miss so-and-so. Or I still miss them. Yeah. But then, I mean, you just, that, but a rebound helps you. It's like ripping the Band-Aid off. Definitely. I feel. Yeah. I've had, I mean, like, and after every relationship, it's like that first rebound is painful. It's like, I don't want to do this. I feel like even when the relationship, it's not a relationship podcast, but the theatricality of dating, let's talk about it. <laughs> you, like, you want to get over it, and you think by forcing yourself, it's, like, I mean, it does help in ways emotionally, but it is also a brutal process of yeah. getting some over someone. It's hard. Definitely. It's so funny because um, at the same time that uh, my relationship ended, so many of the people that I live <laughs> with, of the four relationships that exist in my household, now all three of us within the space of a week all ended. It was kind of like all changed. Was like, it around the holidays? It was literally about four weeks it ago, happens. so early January. It happens that way, yeah. yeah. It does happen that Everyone way. Everyone said to me, it's a new year, and I was like, yeah, but last new year this didn't happen. Like, what's... <laughs> anyway, we're, <laughs> we're digressing. But yeah. Am I on the hunt for... Um, uh, would I date a Brit? Oh my God, of course. I'm mesmerized by the accent. Oh, I feel like this is going to be a just mesmerized. Going, say it again. Say it again. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I'm listening intently. <laughs> um, but as as much as we joke and as much yeah. as I, I say that I do lo- genuinely love you, I, I think I that you are you. one of the kindest, nicest, most giving people. And I would say that if you were here or if you weren't here, because it's true. <laughs> you really are. Well, I wonder what you'd say about other people when they weren't here. Oh, I'll tell we're you. We're going to do it now. Yeah. So, Bianca. Uh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I think you get what you give. And I learned... You, I've been doing this um, business and I've been in uh, the entertainment industry for a very long time. Um, and uh, I, I never really understood that turn of phrase where you get more, f- you can catch more flies with um, honey than vinegar, right? Or is it right? Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never really understood it until I was an adult, right? Oh, okay, whatever. You know, I, I, I would, you have to put it into practice. And I, after learning by mistake, you know, and, and how to behave in a professional environment. I mean, I was always a good kid, you know, so I don't know if that's, I was never rude or, or like awful yeah. or terrible, but you learn by just making misstep. And I made missteps really early on in my career. And um, I learned that I could just, it'd be a lot easier to be nice. And yeah. it's, a lot, it's a lot easier on me to be nice. And if relationships don't work out, it's okay. And that really isn't a reflection of me or the other person. It just, like, friendships have fallen to the wayside and, uh, person, you know, dating relationships have fallen to the wayside. And it's how you deal with it. And, like, uh, any jobs, right, and come and go. But I still have to live with myself and sleep sleep with myself at night. And how do I do that? Yeah. 
And it's a lot easier to come to come to terms with who I am and what I deal with on a daily basis and how I process it uh, in a positive way for me than it is for me to beat myself up. And of course, I do that all the time. I think it's by nature we all do that. We all kick ourselves, when, especially when we're feeling a low moment, when we're down. It's like, of course, well, I didn't get this opportunity, and now, and I'm overweight, and I don't, I'm not pretty enough, and I'm, and I'm not like so and so, and I don't have as many followers, and no one, you know, no one's looking at, you know, what I mean, like whatever the dialogue is that is on all of our heads. Um, so it's easy to get there, but you know, if I, if I can start with being nice to myself, then I can be nice to everyone else. I, you know, I try to practice self care, which is really important. Um, and I believe in the act of seeing and speaking to a therapist. <laughs> I believe in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's weight and there's value to that. And many things like that, self-care specifically, has been so overlooked. And self-care to me is not about fixing it. It's about taking. It's about managing it. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to fix myself. I'm here to manage myself. Yeah. How can I be a better person for myself and for everyone around me? Yeah, I love that word better. I always feel like people have to completely change in order to no. be. So actually, you are just taking a, a step forward rather than erasing what's come and kind of starting again. Yeah, so it's kind of that made me immediately think of it's like RuPaul's Drag Race. So when you go on Drag Race, you go on as however you go on. When you watch the first episode of any season, and then when you see the queen come back for the reunion, they are different. Yeah. And it's not because they're a different entertainer or a different person. They've just elevated themselves, um, whether that be good or bad. They've elevated their art in a different in a different way than what they were when they first walked into the workroom. That's kind of similar to what you want to do with your life, you know. And, you, and when you're pushed to brass tacks or when the when the hammer is put to nail, you have some decisions to make. And so, do you want to be like you know? I'm not one who likes change, but I'm also one who thrives on it. So that's a really weird conundrum, and it's mm-hmm. a really difficult relationship to have with yourself. But I recognize that about myself. I hate change, but I also like th- I need change to continue to evolve. So it's like ah, so like I have that internal angsty, awful dialogue with myself, and it's like, great, where do I go from here? Yep. And it's again, I don't want to kick myself every time. Like yep. I don't want to or punch myself or say that I'm not worthy. Yeah, you know, I'd rather just stand in the moment of whatever it is, greatness or or failure and say great you know i've got to deal with this yeah definitely and and, and kind of not that i want to get to kind of dnm too early on like deep and meaningful but do you think that it's harder to practice that in the world that we live in at the of moment of course it is do you think you, it's your, <laughs> it's, are you more challenged about this concept every day it's rolling off my tongue like it's water and it's easy but it's not i mean there's i'm just saying how i how i really do try to live my life I, how do i try to practice living and I think that's what it is. Practice makes perfect. How do you practice your lifestyle? How do you practice your living day to day? How do you, pr- how do you practice negotiating relationships and dealing with people and, and uh, welcoming that into your life and into your space? Or 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 saying no, I'm not going to do it. It's terrible in this day and age. It's really hard because you have all of these things that tell you. Like I love social media. I also have coming to a very real conversation in, in my professional and personal life that social re- social media is really not real. <laughs> I mean, it's like it is a it's a mode with which we like to tell people how perfect our lives are or it's a mode with which to broadcast our our deepest emotional fears or insecurities that should maybe sometimes really go to somebody who's able to deal with it yeah a therapist yeah you know like and so the value social media is very valuable and it does help people in these dark times that connect what its intention is to connect people Social media is meant to connect us all. And globally, we're just all faltering a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, how do you look at this very dark world that we live in and connect yourself to it? 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and I'm, I'm 28 and I always I think the way that I think about the world now compared to even two years ago is is really different. And it sounds like I'm being slightly self-righteous by saying it. But I really do think the older you get, the more you are aware of how if you just make one comment to someone, or if you say something negative or mm. speak, it really people will take that and think, oh, if that's what that person thinks, then well, that's how they deal with that situation. Then maybe that's how I should deal with it. So so often now I just go, I'm not getting involved. Like, I don't want to get involved. Or actually, why don't you just see it from their perspective and move on, particularly around like relationships. I know we were joking at the start, but seeing friends struggling to understand someone else's perspective, it's hard sometimes just but actually, do you know what? Like, see the goodness in what they're trying to do as opposed to, you know, it's so going easy. Into <laughs> it's so easy on the outside to, to make missteps. And I do it all the time. I'm thinking that my opinion is wanted when it's never even asked for and desired. And that's just something that's like an interpersonal thing that I have to come to terms with. It's not my place to say. You know, it's not my business. I don't need to. I don't need to um, push myself into something that really has nothing to do with me. And because of like the last year has really forced me to deal with that. Like, right, I don't have the time to do that. Um, and that's also been, but like the last year has been trying and struggle. Like it's been filled with struggles because right, my last year has been really trying to cultivate and develop a career that I've wanted my entire life. You know, and so I'm being forced to focus, work, be on the road, be away from friends, be out of touch with people, including my parents. And that has put strain on relationships. So how do I process that? Yep. For some of the, the people in my life, they've not been able to allow me this time to step away. And conversely, for some people in my life, I've not been able to be what they need me to be. Yeah. Do you think the second that you stopped trying to achieve those things for other people, perhaps your parents, perhaps friends, family, whatever it might be, and you started to want to achieve your career and your goals for you, do you think that's when you became most successful because you realize the only person that can really do it is you? Yeah, I think I, success comes from, I well, see, I, I agree and disagree. I think okay. success comes from having a tremendous support system. And I come from a amazing city in the States where they have lifted me up and given me every opportunity and put me on a platform to speak my mind and to be an advocate and an activist and use my voice to try to better it. And through that, and through that nurturing of both my, my professional career and my personal life and that community, I think I am where I'm at and I understand things in a very different way or I've had opportunities or experiences that have definitely informed my decision making. So I think being supported and having a network is important. I think it's important to recognize and understand when you have toxic energy around you and when you have to let go of that toxic energy. And, and, so, and sometimes by not returning a text, it doesn't mean I'm not thinking about you. It just does mean that I, can't, I cannot get to it right now, and that yep. is not personal. But then when the energy then changes surrounding that, you have to recognize maybe I can't be what they need me to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to talk about the wonderful art of drag in a second and how drag really yeah. is taking over the yeah. world, yeah. quite literally the world. But um, before we do that, I want to talk about, I think, probably the part of your career is that is the ultimate gift of kindness, which is the Nina West Foundation. Yeah. Um, Firstly, congratulations on what is a phenomenal, phenomenal organization. Thank I mean, you so I much. see it in so many different places. <laughs> I see it on your social media. Yeah. And thanks. it's so great to see that while you're succeeding, you're also wanting to take other people along and allow yeah. to help them and make sure that they're kind of with you. So where did it come from? Where did it start? Well, so that goes back to like your like kind of that conversation we were just having where I was really nurtured by this community. I've always felt a need to be an active member of my community. And so uh that's where change really comes in, and that's where um, you your involvement does impact 
you impact your vision of the world and your and kind of your opportunity to the world and how willingness the world is going to be able to give to you. Yep. And that sounds really super like it sounds superficially like simplistic and like probably too I don't know like well, like I don't even do you know what I mean like yep. it probably sounds a little too mumbo jumbo bullshit but it isn't like and so the Nina West Fund which is now the Nina West Foundation came out of um my desire to want to continue to give back to my community. And it started years ago when I first started Dragon doing these main stage production shows. And then my friend Matt Goldstein came in and said, you really have to make sure your giving is legitimized. And you have to make sure that, that people who are receiving this money have some ownership, have some responsibility to you to do what you want them to do with the money. Yep. So I was like, oh, oh, right. Because, you know, again, I'm sometimes, I'm, I'm, I do sometimes think everyone has good intentions. And it's, and I'm not saying that this evolution didn't say that, but it was just making sure that the good intention was met. Of course. And so, so uh, the Nina West Foundation was formed. Um, and it's since then, we have, as a whole, in all of these years of giving, uh, myself and really the Columbus community and the, now the, the drag race fandom, which has given a, a great amount of money to the Nina West Foundation since I was on the show, um, has given uh, well over now three million dollars to wow. organizations all over the world. That's and yeah, insane. so we're doing yeah right now we're doing a campaign for uh, the bushfire in Australia. Yes, yes. With an organiz- with a company that's based in Columbus called Homage, and they do usually they do like athletic wear and sportswear. So like they're doing a they're doing. Um, they do like T-shirts for like basketball teams and for baseball teams and football teams and um, like really fun like kitsch camp great tees or like just jerseys. Yeah. And so I've partnered with them in the past when I, I was eliminated from Drag Race. They did my Go Big Be Kind Go West T-shirt and that the, the portion of the proceeds that they gave went to the Nina West Foundation. Um, so we partnered again to help the bushfire over the holiday season. Um, we did. 32 organizations in the 25 days of giving from December 1st to December 25th. And they were all LGBTQIA organizations in the United States that speak up to um, different rights and um, causes, whether they be voting rights for queer people, uh, access to health care, transgender law assistance rights, uh, and um, uh, uh, access to medical care and uh, attention, uh, children's organizations, LGBTQIA youth organizations, um, uh, LGBTQIA um, s- uh, sober programming, mm-hmm. um, literally every uh, senior citizens. Um, any issue that that I felt was important to address within our community, um, the foundation gave money to. Wow. So, um, and... It's powerful, right? It's, it's incredibly it's, powerful. It's a reminder that in, it's really dark in the States. And so you, someone has to be a light. And there are a lot of lights, I think. You know, like I think there are a lot of lights exhibiting amazing power um, to give people hope. Yeah. And, and not only to give people hope, but to give them the ability to make, to grab onto their own destiny and drive their own car to a, a brighter outcome or outlook yep. and I think um, I'm just, I just really want to be one of those lights I really want to be positive and I think that's okay and yeah. I don't want to be mired in the drama of things that don't really mean anything because yeah. when we go to bed and we wake up the next day and people don't, aren't even thinking about that ridiculous fight on Twitter between two drag queens who over right whatever some yeah. some RuPaul's drag race thing, thing yeah. it doesn't matter at the end of the day definitely 
definitely. I mean, even when you said that amount, that wasn't anywhere near what I would have expected. So that's just to your credit and to the, all the people that you work it's, with. It's the, extraordinary. It's though. the credit, honestly. Wow. Like the credit is to the people who donate. I mean, yeah. like I like I ask at the end of shows in my hometown. People, when I was eliminated, people from all over the world wrote checks and sent them into the the foundation. Call. I mean, like it was crazy. I mean, like it, it's been crazy, and the fact that I'm able to. I take it very seriously. Like, you know, like I look at it as my my time in Drag Race was amazing because Drag Race showed the world who I was mm -hmm. in a very authentic way. Am I insecure? Yeah, of course I am. Aren't we all? Yeah. Especially under that kind of microscope. I was very like, I'm here I am juggling in, at that point a 17-year career and giving it to producers to decide what's going to happen to the rest of my life. That's nerve-wracking. But then I, really, I had to come to terms with the fact that I can only do me so if I can't sew, great. Well, then there it is. I mean, I can't. I can only do what I can do. Yeah. Or if I can't, or if I'm not going to look, or if I'm going to walk like a horse down the runway, I'm going to walk like a horse down the runway. I mean, that's just what it is. But you know, like I can only do me. And so a greater understanding of myself came from all of that. Yep. And it's challenged me since. You know, it's been the greatest ride of my life so far, and it's only been a year. And of you watching it, it's been two years of my life. This July, it'll be two years of my life. I can't believe it's only been two years. That's yeah. What? Feels like it feels like I've known you for so long. It feels like it's only been only known each other for six months. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I feel like I've known you forever. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Drag Race has been the greatest gift to me because it's allowed me to then go tell my story. So people saw me as someone they could trust. Yeah, and that's and I want to be that person, and I take it very very seriously. My responsibility to be an advocate for the LGBTQIA community, and yeah. I get to at the end of every show that I do, I get to talk about the value and the importance of who we are as a community and ensuring that, and it's not just lip service, like how, like I want I want people who are heterosexuals who come to the show to leave here, I'm glad you had fun, but I want you to leave here and I want you to go to your workplace, your church or your schools and talk about the value of our community and how you should be ushering a seat at the table for us. Absolutely. To have Absolutely. these conversations. You know, and that's, it's more than lip service. You We all have work to do. Yeah, definitely. Drag is political and you know, art is political and it feels like the perfect fusion, doesn't it? It's yeah. just, oh, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Um, if people want to support or find out more about the Nina West Foundation, where do they go? So you can go to my website, ninawest.com, yeah. and you'll see a great link. It's actually currently on the front page for the Australia bushfire. To, you can either donate to that or buy a t-shirt and uh, have proceeds from your purchase go to that, but get more information on ninawest.com. Amazing. Thank you very much. We yeah. are going to take a break. We're going to be back in 60 it. seconds. 60 seconds, guys. One, two... Three. Welcome back. Hi, Nina West. Hi, welcome back, listeners. This is like a slightly sexual <laughs> noise kind of voice. Welcome back, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we're being very naughty in that break, so we're going to try and be serious now as we talk about um, Drag Race UK, which is literally yeah. like the biggest show in this country. Like, it's crazy how much Huge. that show took off. Um, very quickly, because I do want to talk about theatre with you. Um, did you love the show? Loved it. What I love about Drag Race UK is its commitment to camp and the, the root of, of Brit comedy and Brit drag. I mean, it's like you see... The Brit, you see the influence of panto, you see the influence of theater, you see the influence of, I mean, just your rich history of comedy. And I think that's why this show speaks to Brits everywhere, not just the it's LGBTQIA or queer population. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, that's why it's so big. Definitely. And I can't Bravo. wait to see the UK American mashup. So I want to see you. They have to do it. They have to do it. I would be so in. I'd be like, um, I'm just going to be in the corner eating mushy peas. Bye. <laughs> do you remember when we did that last time? I love mushy peas. A fish and chips. Do you remember? We ate fish and chips yeah. and we ate mushy peas. And then um, that's what I do when I tour. So like I have to have like the food of the of the city or of the country. So when I was in Edinburgh, I had haggis. Yes. Skip. Did you like? No. 
I mean, I liked it. I didn't know what it was until I put it in my mouth. And it's like, that's stomach. I was like, I need to not eat that. <laughs> um, no, it's haggis. Is go- it's just rich. It's, it's a really rich compared to an American diet. But I like it. Yeah. It's not my favorite. But it's not my favorite either. But a lot of people guy. love it. So. I had like ski, ski, skilt, skilt, some kind of soup up there. And some, <laughs> skilt, sk- I don't remember. Skit, sk- skank, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> It was delicious. All right. <laughs> anyway. I love that this has been a relationship, a food, a drag. I now we're going to get to the big stuff. So, theatre. Oh, you. I'm ready for so it. So, the first time we met, I'd actually genuinely, and I'm, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I genuinely didn't realise how much of a theatre nerd you were. Like, I love We theater. hosted the Waitress Pride karaoke and myself and Lucy Jones. You guys and then hosted I st- it, and I was in somehow town. managed to shoehorn you onto stage. I was like, in town. I was like, I'll go. And then you were like, Oh yeah, so I've seen waitress in New York, and I've seen this person and this person, and I saw this, and I was like, Oh my days! Literally, theater nerd one hundred and one. And I think that's why I fell in love with you. I love theater. I'm my background is in theater. Like yes. I like to think of myself as an actor Act, first yep. and a drag queen second. You know, like I'm trying to study what I'm gonna do first or what my lines are. And by lines, I mean my lip sync or what I'm singing live. Right? You know, like I want to be like really as prepared as possible. Um, but my, my degrees in theater. I I remember going to New York City when I was in high school with my choir to see shows. I mean, the, I was it was my dream. It has always been my dream to be. Uh, in a musical on the Broadway stage. And I really hope to make that happen one day. I mean, that's my goal, my what, end goal. What show would you want to be in right now? Do you have an, kind of an ideal dream part? I, yeah, did you, do you watch that failed interview with um, Adam Rapan of our of our uh, oh. announcements? That, like, he's a joy and a delight and I love him, but yes. like it, the, the whole interview just didn't go well. <laughs> but he had asked me, what's your favorite musical? And my very favorite musical is probably Hairspray. Yep. And I think it would be a dream role of mine to be Edna. 100%. Because you can could... sing as well, right? Yeah, I can like, sing. That's yeah. the thing. I've heard you say it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, like, I can sing. I mean, it's definitely, ca- it's like, I'm a character actor. So, like, I'm, so my vocal is, I sometimes range into going into a little two camp, but I can sing, yeah. A, a little two camps? What is, does such a thing exist? I mean, or? I can do voices that are <laughs> ridiculous. Like I said, I'm a mimic. I like, I'm, I, I impersonate on a variety of levels. But yeah, I mean, I've loved, I mean, I, my favorite shows are like Hairspray. Uh, Phantom was the first show that I saw when I was old enough to really recognize it. But Cats was the first musical I ever saw. Okay, I saw Les Mis when it was its first national tour in 1986 in the United States in Washington, D.C. before it went to Broadway. I've seen... Um, but it kind of goes hand in hand with my love of Disney, right? This, it's this rich musical theater like uh, history and storyline. That's why I love Beauty and the Beast, and it's why I love The Little Mermaid, and it's why I love Aladdin. It's that Ashman Menken, like you know that that yep. that songbook and that canon, which goes to Little Shop of Horrors, which is when I was a kid, you couldn't pry that VHS tape out of my hands with Rick Moranis and Alan Green. Like I had to watch. Little Shop of Horrors. Every time we went to the video store to rent a video, I'm older than you, so you don't understand this cultural thing, but we would go to a video store. You don't know what that is, but it's a VHS tape. Yeah, what is that? Okay. But you would go to a video store and you'd rent movies. I know it sounds crazy, but you take the physical film home on a cassette and you'd put it into what was called a VCR player. You put it in. You'd hit, you'd have to press a button. And hit play. Sometimes the tape wouldn't be rewound, so you'd have to hit rewind <laughs> and start the movie at the beginning. It's not like when you turn your iPad on, it starts where you left it off. It's like someone just forgot to rewind it. And that's why there were stickers that said, be kind, rewind, actually on the VHS tape. Because they wouldn't have people being inconvenienced by having to rewind it before they watched it. But anyway, so Little Shop of Wars. My fi- But I grew up in a, f- in a household that played music all the time. And so I was surrounded by... Rodgers and Hammerstein. My dad loved West Side Story and loved what was Bernstein, but loved 
musicals. So we would hear West Side Story. We'd hear Oklahoma. You'd hear King and I. You'd hear these. And my grandmother, who was his mother, would, was, would always have that in her house. And if it wasn't that, it was other kinds of music. You know, I was just raised in the house of music. And so that's why I love theater, and specifically musical theater. I think it's so strange that people that don't have connections to musical theater, when they discover it when they're older, and then they're like, now I finally get it. I feel like everyone well, has you that know, moment. It's so like, crazy. <gasps> musical theater is like the American art form, right? It yeah. is like this... Because like you guys have you the Brits have their have theater, mm. and uh, you know opera is is you know, like Italian and you know and we all have our like but I think musical theater is like the American, opera it's the American art you know and it's like the great you know it's our great beautiful tried and true thing that we're really proud of that is ours that we created right it's Gershwin and it's. Yeah. And it's Bernstein, and it's Rodgers and Hammerstein, and then you know it goes on. It's of course Lloyd Webber, who's a Brit. Yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> right. Yes. You know, and, and, yeah, but but we, but it's like we almost invented it. And so, like, I think that's also why this deep pride and why I love it so much. It's so truly American. This yeah. idea that and those wonderful romantic uh, musical comedies that the, the boy gets the girl, and that there's a happy ending, or he gets the job, or you know, or whatever it might be. You know, like. How to Succeed in Business is like such a great idea of a really classic American musical that's so silly but still so great. And I love how, um, especially when I was listening to and watching musicals, I never wanted to be the leading man. I never wanted to be like the supporting leading man. I actually often never really even wanted to be the leading lady. It was always like the mature mother diva <laughs> character. It's your Melda Staunton, your Patti LaPones, your Audra McDonald's, although you I would hate... You listed all the leads. Yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, come it, on! Okay, you maybe I just wanted to be the lady. star. You wanted to be the star. I was trying to make with a really the big serious. belt. <laughs> I was trying to say, look, I don't want to be the star, but I want to look. Okay, I want to be the star. But, but those roles, really, I remember as being younger, I was like, that's what I want to be. That's why I love theatre. It's like that woman that's just like sending it to the back of the theatre in like the most authentic way. And they were my idols. Like genuinely, like watching Sweeney Todd, I remember being like obsessed with that when I was younger. And Gypsy being like, how can I be more like that? How can that empower me and I think as gay people that's also what we connect with so much is strong powerful women and so often that my introduction to them was on stage yeah I would you know and I think that speaks to I think so I mean there's a love of uh, Streisand and Garland that goes back to their times on stage or Julie Andrews right mm -hmm. when she was these these are the greats and they were born on a stage not on a screen yeah you definitely. know and um, and I think that's where, and then also worshipped by gay men, you know, like, I mean, I'm listed, I'm, I'm like merman. I mean, the worshipped, worshipped. Yeah. Uh, so you, there, so there is this really deep connection for, I think, the community to these divas, these yeah. idols. And it is the diva in the musical theater sense, right? The diva of the opera has translated into the diva of the musical theater. And that is like someone like Audra McDonald, the today's diva, who is, um, Equally as kind as she is, extraordinary on stage, yeah, and exhibits a different a different kind of diva than than that of, say, Patti Lapone, who is brash and bold and um, and uh, unforgiving with her performances, and also beautifully amazing in person. You know, yeah, you know, like these people who are just larger than life, but also rooted in their rooted in I think their their background, which is theater. Yeah, definitely. One show that I mentioned um, a moment ago, which you and I went and saw together, was Waitress, which we I love. I love Waitress so very much. Can we just talk about how much we love Sarah Bareilles just for like oh 30 God. seconds? Oh my listen. Oh yeah. my gosh. Um, I love Sarah Bareilles for a variety of reasons. 
the Cerebrellis got me through a breakup. Okay. With, uh, I don't know if you know the song Gravity. Gravity was the song. Of course, yeah. Got me through. Um, and then, uh, like, like, there's just some of her songs have been the soundtrack of my life in different places and different points. Oddly enough, Brave came out when uh, there was a turning point politically within my community, and I performed Brave more than any song I've ever done on stage ever. For necessity, not because I love it, but also for necessity of how the song made the audience feel. Yeah. Um, and so, like, her, her music has followed me. So then, when I find out, oh, Sarah Brouse is doing a musical, oh my God, I'm there. And equally as so, that show now has been, it was open on Broadway for four years, almost five. Um, and then it opened over here. I mean, it has just kind of popped in and out of my life in weird moments these last four years. And Sarah is here right now playing I Jenna. Know. I love her. Which we're going tomorrow. So right. No, I should tell you. <laughs> so I went to closing... Oh, I have a problem. I went to closing <laughs> night of Waitress in January. Um, to I wanted to go. I love the show so much. I just wanted to go and just be a part of that night. Um, and she was seated in the back on the stairs in the, in the Brooks Atkinson Theater watching the show, um, just kind of romantically letting it go. And then, and it's kind of, and when you say it, when you put it in that context, it's like, oh my God, that's just really beautiful because it is like, art is like a child to an artist. And so, you know, so here it is, the, the art lives on here in, in uh, London, but that show, I think, she did everything in her power to make sure that, that show ran as long as it could and... And it's a really beautiful show. And, yeah. it's, and my opinion is that, say, Hamilton, had Hamilton not been uh, the same season as Waitress, Waitress would have won Best Musical, hands down. And I still favor Waitress over Hamilton. And I love Hamilton. I think Hamilton is brilliant. And I think it's so smart. And I think it's incredible uh, for what how it brings kids to theater in its own way, in its own right, and introduces theater to a younger, diverse audience. It's so important. But I connected to that story of Waitress so much. I love it so much. So when are we going to see on the marquee in London? Because we want you here. Waitress starring Nina West as Jenna. I want to be, I would, I would, look, I'm like, I would do Ogie in a heartbeat. I'm like, I would be (laughs) like. That should happen. Oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. I would be the Frankenstein Ogie, the biggest Ogie ever to do the role. I'd be like, but I would do it in a heartbeat. Oh my God, are you kidding me? In a heartbeat. Coming to, please, even the, even the notion that I've even seen a show in the West End was like a dream come true. Would I want to do a show here? Hell yes. But yeah, the, yeah, no. But everyone who lives here in the UK should go see Waitress. Definitely. And they should. It's just a beautiful show. Definitely. And, and obviously, Sarah Brellis listens because like, she's a huge fan. So <laughs> I just want to say, Sarah, Nina is available. I'll get you some dates. So. Yeah. Sarah, oh please! <laughs> Have you seen me meet her? Have you seen I've how seen we met? Picture, yeah, at stage door. I was the drag. day we were announced on RuPaul's Drag Race. I walked my happy queer ass down into Times Square, rung the doorbell, rang the doorbell to the Brooks Atkinson Theater, knowing she wasn't there. Turns out, like it was just a joke. I was just ringing the doorbell as a joke. Oh, so we'll see if she's there. And she was there, <laughs> and she came out, and she said hello. Which it sounds so silly, but it goes. I say this over and over when I tell the story. You always continue to knock on doors. You yeah. don't know who's going to answer. It's why I continue to audition for Drag Race. You don't know when someone's going to answer the door. Because she also, uh, when we did the the Pride karaoke and you lip synced to Lucy Jones's "She Used to Be Mine," she also reposted that onto her page as well. I she died. Yeah, I yeah. Died. She also that. Lucy Jones. I want to say this. Sarah Bareilles is a sickening Jenna. She's amazing. If you have a chance, Lucy, I know goes back into the show when Sarah's done. Yes. Go see Lucy Jones is by far I and I I mean like as a Sarah's a brilliant Jenna so I don't want this to be taken out of context. 
I never got to see uh, the original Jenna um, do it on Broadway. Um, so to see Lucy do it, I think she's I think she's my favorite Jenna. And I've yep. seen a few others do the the role. She's my favorite Jenna. Do you, you have seen Sarah do it? I've seen yeah. Sarah do it. And she's it's exquisite. I can't wait for tomorrow. I um, saw Sarah do it in New York. Yeah, last summer. Yeah. Amazing. We've got four minutes, so I'm going to fire some quick fire questions at you in a second. But um, do you have a, you said obviously about Hairspray. Are there any other dream roles that you perhaps know you can't play that you want to? That I can't play that yeah. I want to play? I probably roles that are originally written for a woman that you would need to be. Oh, for written for a yeah. woman. I would love to do, um, uh, I would love to do Little Shop and I would love to do um, Audrey. I think that'd be so fun. Mm. It's so camp. It's like really fun, but I mean, also like I know Little Shop has been done over here with um, Vicky, Vicky Vox, and yep. she was a killer plant. I would love to do the plant. Um, she was a killer plant, not the killer plant, but she was the killer plant, and she was killer in the role. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't know. I just saw Haney's Town recently. I saw the same trip that I saw the closing of Waitress, and I fell in love with Haney's Town. Uh, they're, they're, the the three fates who are in that show are yes. exquisite, yes. vocally outstanding. Ava Noblezada is in that as well, and is like so good ridiculous like so our queen like queen yeah like yeah there's just I, I can't say enough about that experience um i don't know i yeah I, just, I, I would just i don't know i would do anything mrs lovett would be really killer angela lansbury was my is the original but she's also like my biggest crush i love her so very much have you ever met her no i would die honestly i don't like i do I have this weird reaction to meeting people because I don't know how to behave. I just go, ah, it's so nice to meet you. Like, I just, like, shout. I'm overly I'm overly complimentary because I don't know how to handle it. And I have met a lot of really great people recently. So I was like, ah, so... Like, because I just get ahead of myself. And it's hard for me to be in the moment. But then it's also, like, I don't want to be anything that I'm not. Yeah. But if I met Angela Lansbury, I think I would honestly pass out. Yeah, I met um, Vanessa Williams at uh, RuPaul's Drag Con UK, and I was—I actually marked that day as the day that I died and also came back to life. So I consider that day one because is, is she gorgeous in person? Because she looks like she'd be oh, flawless. In it person. was like I—I I was just like, hi, and she was looking at me like, "Are you are you okay?" And I was like, "Just queen, like you, like Ugly Betty was my jam. Like I loved that show. So. I love that show. I keep forgetting oh, how young you are, though. Yeah, yeah. Vanessa Williams, when I was young, she was decrowned. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just met Adina Menzel in November. Yeah, Adele Dazim. Uh, no, Adina Menzel. No, you respect her. She is queen. <laughs> okay. Uh, I feel I like love, I need to apologize. I, no, 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 no. no. Um, she was, I was, I, that was near stammer. I was like, I'm just near so. Because I have, I am of the age where rent, so I was in high school in 96, and I graduated in 97. So when Rent came out, I was in high school, coming to terms with who I was. Rent was the musical that probably saved my life. And so having that moment where you have that full circle moment where you get to meet somebody who was that impactful. And I went and saw Adina at Lilith Fair, which was this concert series that Sarah McLaughlin put on in the States for three summers. It was really minimal. Like, I mean, it was huge, 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 but Adina Menzel was on this little side stage. And then I saw her do Aida and I saw her I mean I just kind of followed her career before she was ever Adina Menzel star of Disney's Frozen and you know like so I've always had this love affair with her and so to meet her 
and to be able to tell someone how much you love them and thank them for the impact that they've had, it's really humbling in a, that yeah, moment. So definitely. She, I, she's queen, she's goddess, and we worship her. I, I should, <laughs> I, I literally, in New York City Pride last year, there's a photograph on my Instagram, it's on there, she looks like, please leave me alone. I chased her out of a certain <laughs> Starbucks coffee shop all the way down the street. She couldn't get to her flat. She was like, I want to get home, I don't know how. And I was like, Adina, Adina, Adina. I literally chased her down the street. She was not stopping and I was like, I love you. Thank you so much for doing what you do. And we had a great chat about the importance of pride. And she, it was like the most beautiful icing and cherry on top of a cake. She was really oh, lovely. Just, she was really, just really lovely. Queen. Anyway, anyway you've got yeah. to go do a live show. So I'm going to ask you one final question. Okay. Um, but it seems kind of fitting that everything that we've spoke about today has been about kindness and self-celebration. So going back to that original point, but this world is difficult and kindness really should be the thing that pushes us forward. So I guess in a world of ever-growing hate, for you, Nina West, why is kindness always going to be the best option? Because you will you will win with kindness. You, there's no losing argument in kindness. Um, if So someone walks away defeated because you can't give them what you want in an, in an argument or a fight because you're being kind, um, you don't lose. There's no losing, right? Uh, the world uh, is going to throw all these obstacles at you and they're going to uh, barriers and barricades telling you that this doesn't work, that your sincerity, your, your niceties, your uh, kindness will like what makes you weak. And that is not, in, uh, no, you can't tell me anyone who has ever been touched, who have had their lives touched by someone like Mother Teresa or Mahatma Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr. or uh, Michelle Obama or... I mean, these are people who have made it a mantra to absolutely give kindness. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I, you don't see those people losing, yeah. even in, in their legacy of their lives. Now that some of them have passed, their legacy has never left them. Absolutely. And if you can't be kind, be a theater nerd. It's the next best oh thing. Oh, my God. So. Theater nerds usually are really kind. <laughs> Sometimes judgmental, but still kind. Always kind, always kind. <laughs> you, that, that was like, oh, was he going to ask me what song I would think, what musical theater song I would think would be like a great kindness song? Oh, well, I feel like my question's rubbish now, so you've just ruined the No, I the just podcast. thought because I, I, so I was like, oh, God, what song Okay, pretend. Hi, Nina West. What would be the one song? No, oh. Just be from Kinky Boots. <laughs> oh, what a way to end. Um, thank you so much. Um, Nina, you really are, and for whatever, being my queen, so thank you, you so much. Thanks thank you for being part me. of Eleven and never, ever, ever letting the world dim your light. You are amazing, so thank you. I love you so much. I thank you. you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Eleven. Make sure you stay Eleven Gendary. You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at club11.london or via our official social channels. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.